Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All NBA Show, part of the All City Podcast Network. Boy, do we have a good slate. Another good slate. Two in a row in the association, which gives us two great games to talk about and deep dive about. I'm your host, Adam Mades, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler. Legs, we're on a heater right now, man, with the NBA. They're just giving us gems night after night. Two great nights of games. There's no question about it, man. So yeah, and now we got we got this show, and then we go to the weekend, and then I've got to go outside and take down my hot my Christmas decorations. I'm the last house in the community <laughs> to have Christmas decorations up and my lights and stuff. So I got to get to that after the show. But first, we're going to talk about what we watched last night. And look, going in, you know, on on paper, you're going okay. The second game probably looks like that. That could be legit. You know, Warriors Nuggets. That's right. definitely going to be entertaining with Curry and Jokic going at it. First game, you don't know what you're going to get. We ended up with that's one of the best double headers like I've watched yep. all year. So we can, I can't yep. wait to dive into these games. So true, man. It was what five hours of good basketball, or at least entertaining basketball. I don't know if it was good. Part of what made it good, it was it was it wasn't great for portions of it. But there's I, we have an hour to get through a, a lot of storylines. So uh, this is one of those days where there's just so much to talk about. But first, we are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Now, on this point, before we get into these, I did want to ask you this one, Legs, just off the top. Be, we've had two great nights in a row. I'm looking at the weekend slate, which we're going to get to later on. We, it's under-discussed, I think, how many good teams there are in the NBA. And I think this is why we're having so many good nights. There might be fewer great teams, but there are a lot of good teams. And so when you get to some matchups, you can get a game like the Spurs with Wembenyama and the Bucks, who are at the top, you know, top and the bottom of each conference. And yet it's still a good game. And I, there's a lot of things I, I'm frustrated with with the NBA, but the talent is there right now. So that on any given night, you might have three, four good matchups. And I, I think that this trend is real. Us talking about another good night in the association, I think it's real because there's just so much talent in the league. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's true about the teams. But I think even more true than that, there are just more dudes that can light up the scoreboard than we've ever yep. had. You fill a box score. And that's really what, 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 what this is about now. You, you're sitting down to watch games that – you know, look, it's a long year, man, and, and some nights you got seven, eight, ten game slates, and you're sitting down, and maybe six or seven of those don't look great on paper, but you know, you tune in because you want to see a particular player or whatever, and you end up getting so thoroughly entertained with the shot making. Now, it, it sometimes I think the defense leaves a little bit to be desired, but sure, you can't yep. you can't deny that there are more guys that can generate their own offense or make shots from deep or make contested shots. There's more of those in the league than ever, and that's why we're getting these incredible nights. And, and big numbers are being put up, but it, it, it can be so entertaining 
when when the when there's it's not interrupted by free throws and there's actual flow yep. where the ball change ends of the floor five, six, seven, eight times in a row. I felt like for a while there, for a few years in the NBA, I felt like every night, man, everything was like you're barely getting more than two trips without a whistle. And I right. feel like the last couple nights, some of these games I've watched with these big numbers, I feel like part of the reason the numbers are up is because I feel like there's just better flow, man. The ball's changing the ends of the floor, and there's so many shot makers on the court. That's when the game is its most entertaining. And I tell you, these last two nights have been about as entertaining back-to-back nights as I've had all year watching watching the league, man. And, and last night, two just, just absolute awesome finishes and incredible talent. Yeah. I love the point about foul shooting because I'm 100% with you. It's, it poisons any, like, exciting game. But, you know, Legs, because I'm a West Coast guy, I'm in Denver. After a game like last night with the Nuggets, it, you know, it's such an exciting one. I wake up this morning in preparation for the show, and I'm scrolling to listen to shows and see what everybody's talking about. Everybody went to bed before the the uh, West Coast game wrapped up, so I wasn't hearing shows. We were going to start with Wembenyama and do a deep dive, but instead we're going to start with this Nuggets-Warriors one just because I haven't seen a lot of conversation online and, and in the various podcasts. So let's start with it because it was a heck of a finish and a heck of a game. Um, just to kind of recap, the close game throughout the first half, both teams kind of going back and forth. Nuggets started to pull away a little bit going into the half, but the Warriors completely dominated that third quarter, 44 to 24. Denver got no stops in that third quarter. And then to open the fourth quarter, it was more of the same. They built an 18-point lead. When Michael Malone, the Nuggets play tonight, so they are, they're on the front end of a back-to-back going wet, uh, west back home to Denver, a very tough thing to do. And I thought they might throw in the towel down 18 with like seven minutes to go or something like that. And I, I know a lot of fans were calling for it. Okay, it's not your night. Get ready for tomorrow night. Michael Malone goes all in. He puts the starters back in. He says, we're making a push. And the Nuggets storm back in this game on a, they closed the game on a, was it 25 to four run? Yeah, 25 to four run over the last six and a half minutes or so. Just an incredible close for the Nuggets and a collapse for the Warriors. What stood out to you about this game, whether you want to go straight to the ending or, or something else earlier on in the game? Well, first, I got to go full disclosure, and you know I've talked about this. So, so sometimes, you know, so I can enjoy family time, get my son to bed, whatever. I'll DVR games, and I'll, and I'll watch him yeah. after he goes to bed, right? And, and so I did that, and I got through the, the entire um, Bucks spurs and then I started getting a little bit sleepy. So I watched the first half of Denver-Golden State. It was a pretty tight game at halftime. I went to bed. Woke up knowing I'm going to watch the second half this morning. Yeah. But I'm scrolling through scores, and I saw the score. And I'm like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see this. Then Jokic buzzer beater is going to be great. And then I start watching it, and at one point, I literally froze it. I, I hit pause, and I was, like, checking the date of the game. I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> is this the game from last night? The Nuggets are going to win this game. Somebody's telling me right now, the game I'm watching, Denver is yeah. going to win this game. Yeah. Because they just look like, number one, number one, they just look like, Golden State was in such rhythm offensively, as good as I've yes. seen all year. They built a huge lead, and it just looked like, man, how is Denver going to have enough time to come right. back from 18? It just didn't look like it was going to add up. And then, then you start to watch it. A couple things happen, Adam. It's a combination of things, clearly. One is Warriors start missing shots that they were making. I mean, they had some clean looks that they bottomed out that they did not make to stop right. the run and, and and look when when a team's going on a big run having to make a comeback that big it only takes one timely shot yep. to interrupt the momentum and you're going to hold on to win 
So they missed some of those. They also had terrible, I thought, execution and lack of poise on some of those possessions that let Denver have extra possessions to get back into the game. And then finally, you know, it's Denver, man. It's just Denver making shots and making plays. Aaron Gordon was tremendous. Uh, Peyton Watson had a huge corner three and some other plays. And you, you've been raving about him for a while. And then Jokic, you know, what he does. So the combination of all three things was like a perfect storm of how to lose a game in which you've got a big lead. And this might be the most gut-punched loss the Warriors have had all year. To beat a team that good can give you such confidence, especially when you play that well, and instead you leave the building feeling the way you did. It just didn't add up for me after 42 minutes, really, of, of you know being in total control and then walking out of there with a loss. I can't imagine what Steve Kerr and Curry and Thompson and those guys felt like leaving that arena. If we stay with the positives real quick for Golden State, because you're right. I mean, they had 35 assists last night, which is a ton. To get 30 is a good night, you know, passing the ball, even for a team like Golden State that shares the ball well. But to get 35 and to shoot 42% from three, 15 of 36, that's the formula typically for a Warriors win. And I was impressed with that aspect of them you know, you've been very high on Pajenski, and he is a guy that plays that system very well, just understands how to make the next pass, how to create uh, opportunities off of scrambled defense and different things. And they were doing it. The ball was popping for them last night. And specifically, this, these two teams played last week. And one of the things that stood out to me, even though Denver won the last time, was Kaminga, Wiggins, and Dario Saric, all three of those guys use their size against Denver's guards. So in those staggered minutes, you know, when they're playing against the bench or, or, or incomplete starter groups, those guys were posting up Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Jamal Murray, and having a ton of success. And they had a ton of success last night, but they went away from it in, in the close of this game. Kaminga, only 19 minutes. He has 16 points, four rebounds, four assists, was a plus six, five of seven shooting, didn't close this game and was not on the court during that entire collapse. And I thought that was a very strange thing because they had found a formula against Denver that was working and they went against even that formula to close with, I, I guess, a, a lineup, you know, Kerr is a little bit more comfortable with. What did you make of that specific dynamic? Yeah, no, I, it, it was kind of a head scratcher. Um, it looked to me like the Warriors, as the lead started to dwindle, and once it got like into single digits, and now there's there's clearly enough time for Denver to make yeah. this you know complete comeback. It looked to me like Golden State started playing differently offensively, almost like not to lose the game. And I thought they got too deep into the clock on too many possessions. And when they were rolling in the third quarter, everything was happening so fast as they came up the court, and they were, they were making great passes from the top of the key. They were running a guard split action. Curry yep. got rolling with some step backs. They were hitting the corner threes. Like just basically, I think they played a perfect quarter. The third right. quarter was as well as a team can play offensively in this league. Yep. And in the fourth quarter, I felt like they just got too cautious. And 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 next thing mm. you know, like they're, they're getting late into the clock and they're taking really tough contested shots. They had a couple of bunnies they missed at the rim. They did miss a couple wide open looks. But for the most part, you could sense that they started to feel the weight of this. And and Denver, you know, look, they, at that point, you're playing with house money a little bit. Like, even if you don't come all the way back, yeah. you make that a one-possession game, you end up losing. I think Mike Mullen still pats those guys on the back for sticking with it. And he had his really complimentary things about his own team after the game because yeah. nobody – he said at no point did anybody kind of hang their head or just, like you said, let's get on to the next game. 
They just right. kept playing possession by possession. Um, even if you lose, I think Mike Malone's happy if it ends up being a close game. But now they start to taste it. And Golden State got a little bit too cautious, and, and they felt it, and Denver grabbed it. Um, it. It was such a strange, strange, strange turnaround, man, to, 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 to turn it all the way around. Like, typically, Adam, you see these kind of games, and they come up like one possession short, right? And the, yeah, the team yeah. that's winning by five because they get a couple free throws late, and it's like a five-point game. And you look at the box score, and you don't really know how it played out. Rarely do you come all the way back and finish it and take it across the finish line. And look, it took a miraculous shot by Jokic to you know to avoid overtime and maybe lose it overtime. But I, I just I, I'm still honestly kind of in shock at what I watched. I just can't believe Denver yeah. pulled that off last night. Well, this comment from Sky Falcon Five is you know kind of a point I'm hitting at here, which is that seems like Steve Kerr only trusts the old guys and you know pods. And I think you're right. If you look at how they closed this game, it was Steph and Clay. It was Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins. You know, this is like the core guys there. And then Pods, who's the young guy who's earned his trust. And I wonder, when you talked about you got a little tight, you lose the rhythm, I, I wonder if there is a bit of a feeling when the game starts to slip and the coach goes to the, like, this isn't the lineup that was working, but it's the guys I trust. And I just wonder if there's a little bit of message sending. Like, it felt like, not a panic, but you're not going to the thing that was working. We're going to the thing that we think is going to hold on to the very end. Is it hold on for a little bit? And as you mentioned, they weren't playing with confidence, with rhythm, with flow or, or execution. Um, so I think there's something too. the coach sometimes sends a message to his team inadvertently. But if we go to the other side, you're right that this was a collapse. Anytime there's a 25 to four run to close a game, it's both a great close and a collapse. But Denver, one of the reasons I believed in them last year, Legs, I can't remember what they were, 14th in defensive rating or 18th, something like that. Not a number typically that you would say this is a championship team. But why I believed in them is in fourth quarters and in the clutch, they were always elite defensively. And I always thought that's what they're going to be when it matters because that's winning time. Last night, yes, it was a collapse, but the Nuggets went to championship mode and they keep doing this. They have not been super impressive all year, but they are impressive in the winning moments over and over and over again. And I just thought Denver knew exactly what to do every time down court in the clutch. And they made some lucky shots, but at the same time, they create, they put themselves in a, in position to do that. And I, that's why no matter what happens this year, I just, it's the same nuggets. Yeah, they definitely, listen, they, they definitely uh, influenced the last six minutes of that game defensively. This wasn't just about the Warriors coming down and throwing the ball over to Jim carelessly or, or right. just you're missing wide open looks. A lot of it is because the pressure got turned up. And one of the reasons you get deep into the clock, like I said, and they had a number of possessions where they're releasing the ball right before the, the, the shot clock goes off is because of the defensive pressure and the fact that that, that they're taking away space and, and just the collective will to want to win a game in which you have been that outplayed over the previous 12, you know, 12 to 18 minutes. Very few teams are going to muster that in that moment. It just shows they got great leadership. They're very connected as a team. They're exceptionally well coached, goes without saying. And their defense in that moment, their switchability, their, their continue to fight despite the fact that they were getting torched in the third quarter, the first half of the fourth quarter. Um, it says a lot about them and who they are, man. And, and that, this is – I don't know if this is their best win of the year. You've seen every one of their games start to finish. Is this the best win the Nuggets have had all year? Uh, no, because it was such a bad third quarter. You know, it was a it was a great story. It was a great story how they came back. It was their best comeback. 
Uh, but it wasn't the best game all around. I mean, I don't, I do not think the Nuggets were very impressive. Even in the first half, I don't think they were very impressive. But it was one of those ones, like I said, championship DNA, where they just knew, okay, there's a tiny window if we we really lock in what happens. And their defense was outstanding. Their execution on offense was outstanding. Their free throw shooting was outstanding. And that brings me to Aaron Gordon over his last. Aaron Gordon's had something of a down year, you know. It's talked about this on shows, a little tired or mentally. Are you back into it because of the short offseason? He started to lock in about 10, 15 games ago. Over the last 10 games, Aaron Gordon is averaging 17 points per game, six rebounds, and his shooting splits are 65% from the field, 46% from three, you know, about two a game, but still 46% from three. And the big one, 77.5% from the foul line. This is a guy that was below 50% for large portions from the foul line this year. I think he locked in. He, to me, is, you know, you're going to get Jokic every single night. You're going to get Murray most nights and certainly in the clutch. Aaron Gordon is that guy that when he's locked in, that's when they're a championship team. And over these last 10 games, the Nuggets are uh, on a run over the last 10 games. I think 9-1 and one or 8-2 and two over the last 10. Aaron Gordon has been the difference maker because he seems to be back and locked in and, and, and sort of over that early season hump. He was he was sensational last night. I mean, he his his he was physical against a team that he could be physical against. Yeah. Um, their best three players went thirty two for forty nine from the field. You know, you're, <laughs> you know, you're not going to lose games in this league typically, and they almost did. But you're not going to lose games when you go thirty two for forty nine. Your three best players, all three of those guys, showed up in a big way. Then they got a huge contribution out of Peyton Watson. Uh, he was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and again, it made some big plays for them. Late, his length defensively, I think, is something they're going to continue to go to. Uh, very impressive that they were able to come back and and pull that off. And it, it's man demoralizing. And you, I think Mike Malone's look at the end of that game said it all. I rarely see Mike Malone that giddy in yeah. the moment, right? I mean, look, it was a shocking play. Jokic hits a forty oh, footer oh. off the glass, you know, to win the game, but. The, the pie-eating grin on Mike Malone's face, man, as he went onto the court and was like finding his guys as they're swarming Jokic. And that was a good moment, man, because, you know, uh, NBA coaches, it's 82. They're all a grind. It's stressful. And most most times you're just kind of like on to the next one. Good win. You yeah. kind of wave to the other coach or go down. If you know him well, give him a hug. And you get a great game. And then you're on to the next game. You don't see guys really in the moment in the regular season sort of bask in the moment and with that kind of happiness for their guys. That's what Mike Malone expressed last night. He was just happy to see those guys celebrating like that. You know, and how can you not love Jokic and everybody's climbing on him? And I just, the look on Malone's face, I thought said a lot, man, about how much he loves his team and just how happy he was for them that they were able to have that moment. In a building like that, when typically you fall down that big, you're not coming back. Yeah. I. Uh you have to have those when you're like the Nuggets. You know, they're the regular season is somewhat boring to the Nuggets right now. And sure. nights like last night are things that kind of give you that shot in the arm of like, oh yeah, that's right. It's kind of fun to be great. It, it, you know, it's kind of special. Let me ask you real quick because I've been asking you about Peyton Watson a lot. What you've, I'm sure you've only seen him a handful of times because he's not a guy that plays. You know, he's a new guy. He's just breaking in. But Michael Malone has gone to him over Michael Porter a handful of times over the last couple of weeks, which is very um, you know, for for such a young player, basically a rookie, what do you see out of him, and why do you think Michael Malone trusts him in the clutch? He hit a clutch three from the corner last night. Are you buying his offense, and why do you think Michael Malone trusts him in those spots? His offense has come a long way 
uh, since the beginning of the season. And you're right. It's obvious that Mike Malone really has entrusted him a lot. I, I think his confidence pours out. And I think Mike Malone senses that. He's a very confident kid. And I don't I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be necessarily a pattern. I, I mean, I think Mike, listen, Michael Porter Jr. was a starter on a championship team. Um, yeah. So I think maybe it's going to be, you know, night to night kind of who he feels like has it going a little bit more. Michael Porter, a very quiet night. He didn't really get a lot of looks. He wasn't really heavily involved in the game. So I think, think Michael Malone just felt had more momentum as that lead started to, to, to uh, be erased. He was a part of that. And I just feel like sometimes coaches are going to get caught up in, hey, this group is doing it right now. Let's stick with it. And Peyton Watson got the opportunity to close that out. And I think it's going to be something that's going to be a night-by-night -night sort of basis. But he is continuing to grow. And it's it's phenomenal for Denver because you you wondered where the added depth was going to come from with what they lost. And, and it's such a key guy in, in Brown. Right. And, yep. and you wondered where it was going to come from. And now you've got a guy like Watson who's right before your eyes getting better and better. And it makes you wonder, man, like, where is this guy going to be in three, four months when they get ready yep. to try to defend their title? There's no telling. Like how he might be consistently doing what he did last night, you know, 19 to 19 minutes and just was his imprint was all over the place in that comeback. That might be start to become more of the norm. And it's just a good thing for Denver because they've got another player with length that they can play in Michael Porter's minutes if they choose to. Do you think it's an issue? I mean, Michael Porter was three of six last night, two of five from three. I thought he was shooting the ball well, but six shots for the minutes he plays – do you see that as an issue? I know a lot of Nuggets fans watch this and are like, why doesn't Mike get more opportunities? He seems to always make yeah. them. Well, here's my here, here'll be my my take on that. And you might be more equipped to answer this than me because you're just following him so closely and you're and all the coverage yeah. associated with the team, right? And, and you're paying attention to like all of the post-game pressers and like all that. Yeah, you know, I'm not as tuned into that team as much as you are. Here's here's to answer your question, it only becomes a problem. If the player makes it a problem, right? And if Michael Porter doesn't make it a problem, it's not. Yeah, he That's really what it comes down to. If he is, a, and, and even last night, like, and, and some guys, and I look, I got a list of guys. I've seen it. They're out of a game when their team is making a run and they don't look super thrilled about it, right? It's kind of selfish right. mentality. They get pouty about it. I, I, I got, and there's guys that play in the All Star game that, that, that act like this sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was watching that last night, and, and it looked to me, Michael Porter was up with those dudes as they were making that comeback, and he was genuinely happy, big smile on his face, and that's he's being a good teammate. So unless he gets pouty or changes demeanor or, or you know makes a comment after the game that kind of raises an eyebrow, unless if that, none of that happens, if he's okay with it, then the Nuggets are going to be okay with it. And now if I'm Michael Malone and I've got a player that's that talented offensively with that kind of shooting stroke, I just, as the coach, I yeah. know we won the game great, but I'm, I, I got to know why he only got six shots. So when I look at the film, I got to try to figure that out because that's not something you want happening repeatedly because now he is going to have a problem at some point. But in, 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 in kind of like a one-off game scenario like that, went with a different group for the comeback, you didn't get a lot of shots tonight, not your night, championship team. He handled it very well. I don't think there's an issue. 
Yeah, he and he's handled this well, really, for the last several last year and this year. He's a guy that I think has the injuries have given him perspective. But at the same time, I think the Nuggets would be a little better if they found an, an extra shot or two for him, just because he's such a good shot maker and he changes the way the defense looks at you. Um, all right, let's go to break because on the other side, we have to get to the other great game that happened last night. We have to talk about Wembenyama, who had one of his better games of of his career to date. Going up against Giannis, and maybe it was a little bit of a preview of the future of Wembenyama. I'll ask you that on the other side. But first, our presenting sponsor, the company making this show happen for you guys, DraftKings Sportsbook. They've got that great deal right now where new customers can bet $5 and get 150 instantly in bonus bets. And if that weren't good enough, you also score an NBA League Pass subscription. For the rest of the season. That's right. Not only do you get a no sweat bet where you put $5 up and whether it wins or loses, you get 150 instantly in bonus bets. You also get a league pass subscription uh, for the rest of the year. So check that out. It's an incredible deal, but only when you use promo code all NBA. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code all NBA. Get that great deal only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code all NBA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com basketball terms. Also want to tell you guys about the Game Time app. If you're going to a game or a concert or an event any time in the next couple months, you're going to want to download the Game Time app to make sure you get the absolute best deal on wherever you're going. I've used this app to buy and sell tickets to concerts that I've had. Uh, I've used it to buy tickets to games. You go on that. Sometimes you'll find like a midweek game. You're like, what am I going to do tonight? I got some extra time. I'm going to sit and watch TV. Just open up the Game Time app and look. Take a peek. You're in Denver. You want to see the Nuggets. Open up the Game Time app. You might find tickets for like $15, $20. That's almost nothing to be able to go and watch Nikola Jokic. Whoever stars in your town, they have great deals, and they have that all-in pricing icon right at the top right where you just click on that. No hidden fees, no nothing. You're going to know exactly what your checkout price is. They make it very easy to buy, and they have those flash deals. Well, all of a sudden, right before tip-off, prices will drop. You'll be able to snag really cheap tickets. It's definitely the way to buy tickets in the year 2024. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code ALLNBA for $20 off your first purchase. You could probably go to a Nuggets game for $20, and you get $20 off your first purchase. That's like a free Nuggets game. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ALLNBA, A-L-L-M-B-A, for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Legs, there was another great game in the association last night, and that was, of course... The rookie phenom, Victor Wembanyama, taking on the two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it lived up to the hype. This was one that could have gone uh, either way, but this was a great game. Unlike the Nuggets one, which was a great finish, this was a great game, quarters one, two, three, and four. There's a lot of different angles you could take on this. Is it Milwaukee's bad defense? Is it Wembanyama doing spectacular things? Is it the way that this game closed? Where do you want to start with this specific game? All right, so first, I, the, the main reason I wanted to watch this game at all was because I wanted to see, you know, let's get a progress report on Victor Wembanyama now um, with all yeah. the hype early. And, and we were watching him so much at the beginning because you were just dying to see, like, what does this look like 
right. in, in an actual NBA game. And then, you know, they were so bad right off the bat that, okay, got a pretty good idea what that looks like. Now we got a lot of other teams we got to go cover. I'll get back to them later. And I've watched some, but not like intently watching specifically to see a guy's development like I did last night. Turns out there are a lot more reasons that I'm interested in this game now that it actually took place and played out. All right, let's start. We'll get to Wembenyama in a second. Yeah. Let's start with the Bucs. I'm concerned about the Bucs, man. I'm concerned. Like their, their lack of urgency defensively is starting to yeah. become glaring. And it's 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 variety of reasons. And I talked about this the other day against the Pacers. That's a bad matchup for them specifically because they're bigger, they're a little bit slower of foot. Um, they're going to do better against teams that isolate a little bit more, where they have bigger guys that can do better job of guarding one on one. The Pacers are bad matchup, but San Antonio shouldn't be. San Antonio is averaging 111 points a game, which in my era might have led the league. In this yeah. era. You're 13th in the Western Conference in scoring per game, 111 points. And yet they kind of did what they wanted to do. And it, it, one thing that stood out to me a lot was, man, Damian Lillard was a guy in Portland that put up big numbers and you kind of didn't pay attention to the other end of the floor because you yeah. knew he was carrying the entire weight of the team for the most part. And, and he was kind of wowing you with these spectacular offensive bursts and displays, and he's still capable of doing those, and he played pretty well offensively last night. But, man, is it a drop-off from Drew Holiday defensively. Yeah. It's just – it's a totally different mentality at the point of attack. I mean, Drew Holiday is picking you up right over half court, and he's chesting you up, and he's physical, and he's bumping you and turning you, and he's getting his top leg over screens – and he's 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 raking on bigger guys when they drive on him, like all this stuff that you notice over the course of the game. Taking charges, Damian Lillard is not really going to do a whole lot of any of those things. He's going to he's going to outplay you offensively, and he's going to give you basically a minimal one effort on the defensive end of the floor. But if you're asking him to chase, or you're asking for multiple efforts, or you're asking to fight over screens, those kinds of things, that's not going to be his game. And it, right. it, it, I'm not putting it all on him because I think their team overall has been really bad defensively, and it really jumped out to me last night, the success that San Antonio was having offensively against this team. And it's now becoming this trend. We're talking about this a lot with the Bucs. So I guess that's the first place that I wanted to start with this game before we get into Victor is, man, are you starting to get a little bit concerned about the Bucs, particularly when you compare them to Boston? And when you compare them to Denver, and I think those are the two teams that you really got to use as a barometer for the Bucs. They're expecting to win a championship. Those are the two teams, I think, right now that you'd have to engage yourself against. They can't do the things defensively that those two teams can do. Every time we talk about the Bucks, we talk about this point of attack defense, their de their lackadaisical uh, you know effort on defense, how they just doesn't seem to be too much of a concern. And every time we do, we get people you know that'll comment and say, "Hey, you guys are really hard on a team that's twenty five and ten, one of the best records in all of the NBA." And I think that's a fair comment. But we're also looking at the Bucks through the lens of they have one goal. Their their goal is not to be one of the top teams. Their goal is to win a championship. And the clock is ticking because we know that there's only so much time. Your point about Damian Lillard, this has been a big thing for me for years now. And part of it is because I watched Denver go up against Damian Lillard's Portland Trailblazers team a couple years back, a very, very, very shorthanded Nuggets team go up against them and, and get the win. And I thought, 
it was just so easy to score on them in a playoffs. And when you watch Dame, I think there's this thought of the Bucks will be better when it matters defensively. I just don't know. Because yeah. to your point, Damian Lillard, it's both focus and effort, but I think it's also just ability. Can they be a good defensive team if he is on the court? Or they have a lot of good defenders around him, you know, and when you talk about the front court, but is Dame bad enough that you can't be good? Or is it really just the Beasley? They like they have to find the right combination of guys around him. Man, I think here's the thing. I think Damian Lillard thought when he went to Milwaukee and kind of he seemed a little bit shocked that he wasn't in Miami at first. And, you know, we were kind of wondering, right. how's he going to take this? And I think he bought in pretty quickly. Why wouldn't you, man? You're playing next to Giannis. Right. You've got a chance to compete, right? you got a chance to go all the way with this group. Right. But I also thought he probably was thinking, okay, I got a lot of support around me defensively, right? And so, you know, do, do, do you need to really push it on that end? And I don't think the support has been as good, honestly, either. I don't think yeah. – I, I don't think – like part of it is Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton yeah. was a really, really good on the ball defender. He could guard guards. He could guard any high scoring wing in the league and do a more than reasonable job on them in a short isolation situation. And he's got length to get a contest up at the end of the shot. And he just slid his feet well when he's strong. I think he's lost some lateral quickness. I think he's lost some of effectiveness. He doesn't pressure the ball as much. I don't think he's as fat, a big a factor on that end. I think that affects them. Giannis, look, can be spectacular whenever he wants to be. And tell me the guy that can turn it up defensively when he has to, he can. But I also think in watching them now, maybe some of the malaise of the regular season has kind of sunk in yeah. for Giannis Antetokounmpo too, right? Naturally, I mean, yeah. he's already won a title. And he knows that this is really all about a two-month run later in the year. And, and I think in their mind, they're looking at one team, the Boston Celtics. I think it's going to be us and them in the end, and I'll be ready when that when that time comes. So there may be some nights in the regular season when he's not necessarily influencing the game to that extent. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez, a great rim protector. Brooke Lopez struggles uh, sometimes when teams can really spread them out and he's got to get carried from the rim and chase a little bit when, when they're moving the ball for three-point shots. So I just think overall, I think that they've taken a step back. And so the support is not there for Lillard the way it would have been if he played on that team that Drew Holiday joined that won a championship. Right. I think there was more defensive support on that team than there is this team. And I think that yeah. makes it a little bit more like you, you notice Lillard more now with this group of guys on that end of the floor. And I'm just a little worried last night, they gave up 28 fast break points. And look, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. Teams teams, right. Cause teams are, this is the way the game is played. Now, no, the playoffs will slow down a little bit. I get it, but, but not to the extent that you think anymore, there's still going to be a lot of quick shots taken in the playoffs. And so if you're if you're like a little bit, you know, you're not stopping the ball as it's coming up the floor. Like the guys are really getting up the floor a long way before they meet any resistance. And then and then they're 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 moving it, and you got bigger guys running back to the lane, and they're shooting threes early in transition. It's what happens. So I just noticed it last night. I just thought, man, you would think after what happened the other night with Indiana, like they'd come out in this game and they they'd be able to suffocate this team, and they just weren't able to really get there. Give San Antonio yeah. credit; they played they played really well, and and Victor was the was the highlight of the night, but I thought I was disappointed uh, again in the box defensively and they're picking them. And, and look, to your point about it people is. saying, well, why are you guys so hard on them? You know why? Because their standard is different. It's standard yeah. is different. So you do nitpick the teams at the top because you want to know, like you want to let people know, like here's what it's going to take for them to win it. And right now I don't think their defense is good enough to do that. 
Yeah. Uh, to your point about Middleton, he is coming on. Like the last handful of games, he's been in the 20-point zone. I think he's averaging about 20 over the last seven games or so. So he, and, and he's shooting well, I think above 45% from three. So he's on, I don't know if it's just a heater or if he's kind of getting a rhythm going, and that'll be big because I do think he's, it's weird to call him an X-factor because he used to be part of a big three, but I think he's this, this X-factor that if he gets it going, they become a much more dynamic team. Um, on, to your, on to the other side, though. Because as much as the Bucs, you know, they pulled out the win. They got it done. And by the way, we didn't even mention Giannis. 44 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, 19 to 28 shooting. And all of those points were spectacular. I don't know if he had a boring point. They were all of the spectacular variety, as he often does. He was sensational. But the other side, San Antonio is a 5-29 and 29 team. They have a worse differential, I believe, than the Detroit Pistons. And yet, you watch them last night. You worry about a young team's confidence when they're losing. We talk about this with Detroit a lot. That was a team that went out and just fought and played with confidence. And Wimbenyama in particular did not look like a guy that was going through, oh, we're going to lose, this or that. They punched all game. Devin Vassell was spectacular. But that team played with confidence. And that's what stood out to me about the Spurs last night. Completely agree with that. Uh, yeah, you're right about the point differential too. I mean, I think they've had three 40-point losses already. Um, and so, you know, you just don't know necessarily on a given night what you're going to get. I think, look, this was a national game, a lot of yeah. hype. It was Giannis and Wembenyama, a lot of eyeballs on it. They clearly had a lot of adrenaline for that, and, and they played very well. And so it comes down to, you know, the reason you're watching the Spurs, unless you're, a, you know, a, a, you live in San Antonio <laughs> or you're a Spurs fan right, or season right. ticket holder, if you're like us, you want to see Victor Wembanyama, and you want to just see this is one of the most hyped players in the history of this league, and you want to see what is it progressing like. And last night, first half I watched, and I'm kind of like, okay, it, it kind of looks like what I saw like a month ago, um, a, a little bit, you know, kind of drifting a little bit offensively. They don't really run much for him. Wasn't really, you know, you didn't really notice him a whole lot. And man, did he change that in the second half? Because he had a handful of plays that were Big insane, play. absolutely insane. I mean, the play that that on everybody's highlight is the open floor, going behind his back, <laughs> left left to right as Lillard. Yeah, you're right. Lillard back, right. Lillard kind of swiped at the ball, you know, yeah. trying to come in there and get a steal and pick him from from in front. He wraps it around his back like improvisationally. When Lillard makes that dodge at the ball, that alone is incredibly difficult to pull off for any player, okay? Yeah. Much less a guy that big. And then dunks over Brooke Lopez with two hands uh, to finish that thing off. So that's the play that stands out, and that's kind of when you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, even if, even the bench, who probably knows how many of these kinds of plays they've seen in practice or whatever else, jumped off the bench. They're all mobbing each other because it was that absurd. But that wasn't my favorite Wembenyama play of the night, Adam. Which one was? It was a block on Giannis late in the Clutch. game. Giannis, and look, Giannis was overwhelming them for like a six-minute yeah. stretch. Like with the stuff yeah. he was doing in the paint with his pivoting and forceful finishes at the rim was just amazing. He tried again. He got Weminyama deep, pinned him almost under the rim, goes up. He's gonna he's gonna throw it down. And Weminyama goes yep. up and, and, and yeah, and the replay was phenomenal because it was all ball, but it was also both hands were basically at the top of the square. And Giannis yeah. is not <laughs> used to having that happen to him. And right. it, you know, he blocks it. They go the other way. That was my favorite play of the night. He also had 
a huge three huge late three in the game, off the dribble. Three, right? That he bottomed out to tie the game. Um, earlier in the game, he threw one off the backboard to himself in the middle lane for a dunk. Like, you got the whole show, and uh, he didn't disappoint me, man. You know, this guy is this guy's transcendent, and you saw a lot of that in the second half. He's the only guy I've ever seen that does a dunk from here. Like, most people, they reach their hands up high, right, to dunk, and they extend. He right, like, right, almost right. puts his head above the rim and then dunks downward. And, and he does it a lot. And the one you're talking about behind the back, that was one of those. The one where he threw it off the backboard to himself, he didn't extend. He, 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 it, it's weird. But here's the, we've talked about – the last time we talked about Wemby, we said that his idols were Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo. This was yeah. the first game where I can see why those are good models for him. He's somewhere in between those guys. Now, I'm not saying – I mean, I don't like to overhype guys and, and try to say he's going to be both of those guys combined. But you can see that the type of player he can become, he's got the shot. That three-pointer you're talking about was off the dribble. Going left, pick and roll. He read that the defense was going under, and he kind of perfectly stepped into it and knocked it down. It was a beautiful three-point shot that – it looks like a thing you could do for him. Like that, that could be a weapon. He's a pick and roll, pull up three point shooter. And then in the open court, the Euro steps, the behind the backs and stuff that reminds you of a Giannis. So last night was the first night where I watched it and I was like, you know what? You need to add the strength. There's a lot of stuff he's got to add, but I can see him becoming more of this on ball player. Um, and that's the development. I think for me is we saw little flashes of that, but it felt almost like novelty. Last night, he did it consistent enough, especially in the second half, where I'm like, you know what? Give it some years of seasoning, and I could see him having a Giannis-like rise where it's like he doesn't just do that sometimes. That's the bread and butter. He can be a guy with the ball in his hands. I like that. And I think when I saw him early, you know, and one of the things they kept showing was him handling the ball, whether it was highlights from him right before he right. came over, over you know, to the States – and you're going, wow, man, look at this guy. Put it down between his legs and do all this stuff. And then I saw him in, in Vegas, tried that a little bit. He got ripped a couple of times. And I'm saying, yep. like, that's going to take time. At this yep. level, to be able to be that long and handle the ball in, in a tight window against this level of athlete with this kind of quickness is going to be difficult. And you don't see him playing with the ball as much as he did early in the year. The good thing is, the good news is, even though he's so thin – he has functional strength against contact when he drives better than he looks like he should. He had another play last night where he caught the ball in the right wing and he drove yeah. into the middle lane and the ball never touched his right hand. He had in his left, he had like contact. I don't remember who was guarding him all up and down the right side of his body. And he just took the ball off the floor with one hand in his left, sort of cradled it and shot a left-handed scoop finger roll while he yeah. was being hit on the right side of his body, and he never really got knocked off balance. So he is super thin, obviously. He's wiry strong, though, and he, he is able to play through some of the contact on his drive so that his shots stay on balance, and they're very soft yeah. off the glass. Like He's got an amazing touch um, when he goes full speed at the rim. He's just he's going to be the complete package offensively. Uh, you know, his shooting – Right now, early on, that's like all he wanted to do. See, like, was get to the three point yeah. line because he didn't he didn't yeah. feel comfortable playing with contact. That's changed now. He mixes it up a lot more than he used to, and he's 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 going to the rim more and finishing. He can still shoot the three. He makes free throws for the most part when he gets to the line. He's got yeah. he's got the complete package, man. And it's it was really fun to see the show 
he and Giannis put on last night. It was special. And Giannis had great, great praise for him after the game. D- yep. Directly right there on the court, they interviewed him in the post game, and then and then his post game press where he got asked again. He he is you know, super impressed with what he has seen early out of Victor Wembanyama, and then going up against him for the first time, uh, he came away raving. I have to imagine, like I just mentioned, he sees a little of himself in in, in Wemby. You know, he sees that mobility and some of the upside there. What about the other end of the floor? You know, evaluating where he was last time we talked about him about a month ago to now, what do you see from him defensively? Is he making progress there and in what ways? He's definitely making progress there. And I want to, I don't know if I could do this. I should have probably set this up earlier, but um, so can we see this? Uh, is there a play? I don't know if we're going to be able to see right, it. Yeah. Maybe we'll put it on social though. We'll tweet it out. Send it to Emma. I put, all right, I will. I put, I took this picture. I'm going to send it to Emma right now so you can get this up. I took this picture of a play that I watched. I rewound it and I froze it in a certain place. And this is a picture of Victor Wembanyama was on uh, defensively looking at the other end of the floor. He's on the left side of the court. The ball went over to the right block. Victor Wembanyama ran over there in, in like a double team mode, got both feet outside the lane on that side of the court. The ball got reversed to Brooke Lopez on the opposite wing and then over to the corner for a three-point shot. I believe it was Connaughton. And, yeah, it's Pat Connaughton. So this picture shows Brooke Lopez has the ball. He is a Pat Connaughton is like this, hands ready, waiting on the pass in the corner on the, on the right side of the floor. Victor Wembanyama, when I took this picture, has both feet outside the lane on the opposite side of the floor. Look at Victor yeah. Wembanyama. My goodness. This ball is going to get yeah. reversed to Pat Connaughton, and Victor Wembanyama blocked it. Yeah. Now, blocked it good, know. too. Like, <laughs> yeah, he gets, a, he, get, you know, he gets a fingertip on it and ends up being an air ball. Think about what I'm saying here. This ball gets passed directly to Connaughton. I mean, that's that, – that's, I remember watching yeah. Zion Williamson do this at Duke to DeAndre right. Hunter. They were playing University of Virginia, almost the exact same scenario, except that time – Hunter went to shoot it, and Zion blocked it into the crowd about 10 rows back, like punched it practically. This one, Webby stretched out and just got a fingertip. But the fact that he got anywhere near the ball, like Pat Connaughton, I know I'm a shooter. If somebody did that to me when they were that far away when I caught the ball, that would be like unnerving, like that there's a thing on the court that can do that because there's no way he should have gotten over here. That's the kind of play. I don't know there's another guy in the league that can do that, man. Maybe Giannis. Maybe Giannis yeah. can make that play. That's about it because you have to move quickly. You have to have great stride, and then you have to time it perfectly. And, and so he has all of those instincts with these physical dimensions to do things defensively that, quite frankly, when he gets comfortable two, three years in a league and adds some strength, I think he's going to be able to do things defensively in this league that nobody else can do. Yeah. I wonder the same way rim protection becomes rim deterrence and guys are afraid to go into the rim. I wonder if you can have an effect like this where no matter how far away he is as a shooter, you're thinking like, here he's coming. He closes the gap so, so much. I wonder if he could have that to him, but he, he really impressed me last night. That was a great game. Um, that was a great performance from him. And you do see one of the things we we've raved about Chet a lot. And for good reason, Chet has been incredible. One of the things I love about Chet is his competitiveness his confidence, and his IQ. He's just so far ahead, in my opinion, in those three areas for a rookie, and it's a big reason why the Thunder are so good. I saw those things, maybe not the IQ part from, from Wimbenyama. It wasn't that it was bad. I just 
it wasn't particularly, you know, outstanding in my opinion last night, although he did have a back cut that was huge. Do you remember the back cut he had? I think coming off a pin down from the corner. Yes. And then he and then he back cuts and gets a to me, that's a play that you think <laughs> if a guy six eleven makes that play, you're impressed. But seven four, you're like, oh my God, man, that's insane. But he's got um, look, there's so there's so much there's so much room for growth as he continues to 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 gain I think core strength and lower body strength where he catches the ball, his ability to shoot over the top of people without having to dribble. Like there's so there's just so much more there to come. His handle, he will get more comfortable using it functionally to get where he needs to go rather than just kind of showing off for a guy that big dribbling, actually right. using it to get there. By the way, he also had in the game, I don't know if you noticed it, and I only saw it once. I don't know if he did it more. He did a Luke Cornette last night. Did you see him do a Luke Cornette? Yeah, I Somebody did actually. I know the he was in the Cornette. lane, and he just jumped up in the air. And he was like 15 feet away from the shooter. He just jumped up and down in one place. And I'm like, man, if anybody's yeah. going to pull that off uh, more effectively, Luke Cornette, it'd be Victor Wembanyama. I can't imagine what that would look like if you're shooting a ball. And he, and he just jumps up and down in one place. So he did that as well. Look, it was just a fun night. But it was also a productive night, and it wasn't just oh, a bunch of highlights, and they lose by 20. I mean, the fact that he was making big plays down the stretch, going up against Giannis, who was sensational, uh, I'm glad they gave us that night because it, was, it, was, it made it for a perfect doubleheader because of what we got right after. We have some breaking news uh, that's pertinent to something we talked about earlier in the show. Emma, you have this ready to pull up. Sham Sharania just tweeted that after sitting the final 18 minutes of the Nuggets loss, Warriors for, for, uh, forward Jonathan Kamiga has lost faith in Steve Kerr and no longer believes that Kerr will allow him to reach his full potential, sources say. Now, this is short of a trade demand. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but this is just bad. You knew that that loss was painful for the Warriors, and they've lost a couple, and now when's Draymond coming back? Does Draymond bring tension back? I think Kaminga's played better with Draymond not there, which is something I, I – when Draymond comes back, I was most curious to see how does it affect Kaminga. But Draymond's not even back, and Kaminga seems like he's out. Like, like he, This isn't quite a trade demand, but it is hinting at, hey, man, I no longer believe in the guy that, I, that is, is leading me. What do you make of that report that just dropped? I, listen, first of all, I, I I completely, if that's true, and that's what Jonathan Gaminga is telling people or has articulated to anybody, and Shams right. is reporting that. First of all, I agree with Jonathan Kaminga. And I've been saying that about Jonathan Kaminga. Now, look, some of it's been yeah, on him. But, but, I, but I've said from the beginning, Steve Kerr loses faith in him quickly. Yeah. And he Steve yeah. Kerr just said two weeks ago, maybe, or maybe a week ago, this is the best stretch Jonathan Kaminga has had for us. So, and he had 16 again last night, very efficiently. But as the each of the last two seasons, the regular season was one thing. And then the late regular season into the postseason was a completely different thing for Jonathan Kaminga. And right. as a young player, you got to, you know, look, I think early you kind of go, okay, well, here's what it is. I'm a rookie or I'm a second year player. And, and it is what it is. And you, you're kind of waiting your turn. I think he feels like, you know what, man, my time has come. My turn is here now. And, like, I should be on the floor to finish these games. And, look, he's probably saying to himself, if I'm playing this well right now, this is the best I've played, and I actually had a good game tonight. It wasn't like he had a bad game last night. And I sit the last 18 minutes of the game, and Draymond Green is about to come back? Well, when am I ever going to be, be like a breakthrough here where I'm a 30-minute-a-night player and I'm, and, I'm, right. and I'm entrusted to close games so I can really grow and reach my potential? I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. It took Jonathan Kaminga this long to feel this way 
if that's yeah. genuinely how he feels. Now we'll see. Now that this is out there for public consumption, there will be more on this from the Warriors, from Kaminga, yep. maybe from his agent. We'll see how this plays out because it might be a situation where now they dial it back or the Warriors make sure it's dialed back or whatever it yep. may be, or or not, or it goes the other way. And yep. now you start to hear about Jonathan Kaminga wants out by the trading deadline. I am surprised it took him this long because I've been saying it. He goes through these stretches where it seems like he's playing pretty well and then he just disappears. Uh, yep. It's very, very, very short leash with him. And yep. I think he's feeling like, hey, man, and, and Draymond's about to come back. Rumors are he's going to be back in the building soon, and who knows. So then That's where tension. does that make me here? Tension. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And, so, and I'm, look, I'm not surprised by that at all. If that's if that's act true, and I have no reason to doubt it, I am not surprised by that. I'm I'm going to be very curious to see where this goes, and very curious to see what the market may be for Jonathan Kaminga if this ends up getting to that point over the next month. Well, I think it's safe to say the Warriors lost the week. <laughs> they, they were one of the losers of the week. But every week on the show on Friday to get us into the weekend. We ask who won the week. So let's get into it. Who won the week? This is, of course, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code ALLNBA every week. It's presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to give you a couple nominees, and then we'll get to your pick. But the Pelicans, we talked about them twice on the show this week. 3-0, and all blowout wins over the Lakers, the Nets, and the Timberwolves in Minnesota, by the way. You know, all three of those games, very impressive because they were not close. You had the Pacers that go 3-0 this week with wins over the Knicks, Bucks, and Bucks again in Milwaukee. That was huge, kind of getting back on track for them, but also just owning the Bucks and getting in their head. The Utah Jazz, also the other team that go 3-0 this week, kind of a shocker. And Walker Kessler in particular was a plus 60 over, over the course of three games, had four blocks per game. He's been really coming on strong. And then, of course, Jokic. Uh, a game winner, 19 of 23 over the last three games for Jokic. He's not missing shots anymore. He's decided just to make shots this year. Um, those are all nominees. Who did you nominate for your Who Won the Week? So since the last time we did this, um, there, there was some big news, and it was it, it technically is in the last week. It's OG Ananobi yeah. going to the Knicks. My big winner is the Knicks. And you might even say yeah. Ananobi because I think this yeah. is where he wanted to be. Um, I don't think this trade goes down unless the Knicks have an assurance that they're going to resign him. Um, right. He's going to opt out. He's making 19. He's going to opt out of that. I'll probably make 30 plus on a new right. deal, uh, probably four, four or five years is my guess. And I just, I, I'm not, a, I wasn't a huge believer that the uh, Brunson, Randall, Barrett trio was enough. <laughs> and look, RJ Barrett can get his own shot a little bit better than OG Ananobi can. True. But OG Ananobi is going to be a much more consistent open three-point shooter and playing off of Brunson and Randall, that you need that. And then his defensive prowess and what he can do defensively and the versatility is going to give you the different lineups you can play because he can guard fours and fives because he's that strong. Um, right. and, and, of course, guard anybody on the perimeter. I think this is a big win for the Knicks. Um, and they also had two wins, two good wins, Minnesota yep. and Chicago. Um, you know, since Ananobi's been inserted into the starting lineup. So I right. think the big winner is the Knicks for pulling off that trade. Some people think that, you know, the Raptors got a lot back with Barron and quickly and a pick. That's fine. And, and that's a pretty good haul for OG Ananobi. But this, to me, moves the needle a little bit for the Knicks. And I don't know that I was going to feel that way if they stood pat or they had to go into the postseason with R.J. Barrett. Let's take a look at this trade, though, and, and how it went down because – 
You're right. OG Ananobi, the centerpiece. You also get Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn. I don't think they move the needle. And then for the Raptors, you get two guys. Uh, you get R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. And Quickly, by the way, has had two very good games since going over to Toronto. I feel like this is something of a win-win. I mean, I, time will tell. But I do feel like this is something of both teams, I think, made moves that make sense. I'm with you on OG Ananobi going to the Knicks. I'm very intrigued by them. I don't love Randall. I think you have two of a big three. Like I, I, I like Brunson and I like OG. I like Mitchell Robinson. And you know who actually has really been impressive? Isaiah Hartenstein. Oh, since uh, you know being inserted as a starter and getting more minutes, he's been very impressive. I think they have two of their three main pieces. I still don't love Randall, but I'm curious to see where you go there. But if you talk about Toronto, where are they going? I think you're still probably moving on from Pascal Siakam at some point, you know, probably some point soon. But you look at quickly in his fit with Scotty Barnes, and I'm, I'm intrigued. We've seen this mold, a do-it-all wing who can pass, who can score, who has the ball in his hands as something of a creator. And then you put a quick point guard alongside him. There's a little bit of Luka and Kyrie or LeBron and Kyrie. You know, we've seen this mold. This is a version of that, an iteration of it. And I I at least see the vision. I, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Quickly and Scotty Barnes as if they form something of a duo. Well, I think this, listen, this is, and it may, may, you know, Quickly probably love being in New York and playing in the garden. Right now, the garden's pretty electric, right. and that's an incredible environment. But he's, he's, he knows this is a better opportunity for him. He's going to get more consistent run, more consistent shots on a nightly basis. The guy can flat out score. I mean, he's a very talented offensive player. And he'll he'll go much further toward reaching his potential uh, in Toronto than he would have in New York. There's no doubt about it. The thing that I like about th this one last point for the Knicks, I think the Knicks, and this is part of it, I, particularly knowing Tom Thibodeau and, and how he's looking at what they're going to have to do if they want to be serious about contending or getting in the mix with those top teams, you just added a guy that's going to be able to guard Tatum a lot better than what you had, Jalen Brown. Uh, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, if he has to switch on to a Giannis, can do a, a, a more than a reasonable job. He can guard a Tyrese Maxey. He can guard these players. Now, he's not going to do much with Embiid, but there's not a lot of guys that are going to do much with Embiid anyway if you're if you're 6'7". But the versatility of what he gives, and look, this isn't a shutdown league anymore where you know, this guy's going to lock these guys up. It's all about – just percentage-wise, limiting their effectiveness and their efficiency. It's all it is. Over the course of a game, over the course of a series, is it just he's more yeah. able to affect those guys than what they had? And there's no question about that. And I think that, for me, puts them a little bit more like, okay, this is going to be interesting now, whoever would get the Knicks, potentially. In, right. in a, if it ended up being a second-round series. Or who knows, it might be a first-round series. You don't know where the Knicks are going to finish. They might get Philly in the yeah. first round or something like that. But it's going yeah. to be much more interesting, I think, having a guy like Ananobi guard those elite players. I think the swing guy for them, it's one of my favorite players, is Quentin Grimes. And Tibbs is not really, you know, it doesn't seem like he fully trusts Grimes. Grimes doesn't play a ton of minutes. But I'm curious, this opens up opportunity for him to play a little bit more. his minutes by a lot despite winning the game so i'm kind of curious to see if this is a, a shot in the arm for grimes or if he's maybe on the way out the door for them this offseason um all right let's get in real quickly before we get out of here let's just look at this weekend because there are some very good games this weekend and i just want to run through them real quick at on friday there's a full slate tonight legs atlanta at indiana 
I mentioned that Atlanta, since uh, getting Jalen Johnson back, has been on a little bit of a run. Indiana's on a little bit of a run. This, to me, is a, you know, a big game for both teams to kind of see if they uh, – is this run real? So I'm intrigued by most, that one. Most importantly, I, I think Emma, who, who's our betting expert, if you want to double your money, I think Emma's going to take the over yeah. in that game. Yeah, I think I, I think take the over. I don't know what the number is, but I'm taking the over in Atlanta, Indiana. That's probably it's probably 300 combined points, and, and you still take the <laughs> under on it. Uh, Knicks at Philadelphia. The new-look Knicks go into Philly. Very tough place to play. Um, that should be a great measuring stick for this new uh, Knicks team to kind of see what they get there. That'll be a great one. Minnesota's at Houston. It's a battle of two big front courts. I, I like that one. Minnesota's been sliding a little bit lately, so can they get a road win and stabilize? The Clippers and Pelicans, man, that's a, that might be the game of Friday night. Look at all these good games. Clippers at Pelicans. What do you predict there? Yeah, that's I'm looking. That's my that's the one I have circled for the whole weekend. That's the one I want to see as well as the Clippers have been playing New Orleans as well. Look, we keep wondering like what you know who's the who's the clue the clear true challenger to Denver in the Western Conference. Right. You know, we've talked a lot about Minnesota and OKC, but but very little playoff history of winning there with those groups you look at you look at some of these other talented teams man the clippers and pelicans are right there in the mix with the talent that they have so I, i'm dying to see that matchup hopefully everybody suits up because i want to see them at full strength <laughs> orlando is in denver orlando rounding out a four-game western road trip denver coming on a second night of a back-to-back so this is a fatigue off um orlando's a little banged up so maybe this game won't be as great but I mean, that's two good teams. Miami is at Phoenix. Another one like Miami. It's just the wrecking ball of these types of teams. So I'm very curious to see if Miami can go in and cause a little panic amongst the Phoenix Suns. What do you think of that matchup? Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be fascinating. You know, it's funny we we've we've uh, really have not given the Heat a whole lot of attention this year. Nobody has, and and yet here they are, man. They're playing great basketball right now. I love and they them. Make, they make they make people's lives miserable with how hard they play and how prepared they are. Yeah, they're just. They're, you're not going to catch them unprepared or flat. They play yep. hard. They're, they might have nights where they don't shoot the ball well, and you get them. But that's it's not going to be their undoing um, by 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 you know their lack of of prep preparation. And you look up at the end of the day, Adam. Like it's like wow, will Miami be the team that rises from the ashes in the Eastern Conference right. and make it all the way back? You know, we might get a repeat matchup in the NBA Finals, and we barely talked about the Heat all year. That's how well they're playing right now. So that's a that's another really good barometer game uh, for Miami to see how their defense stacks up against Phoenix's offense. Legs, I'm calling it. We have our first must-win game of the year. Truly must-win. Not like uh, it would be good to stop the bleeding. Memphis has two games this weekend. Tonight at L.A. for the Lakers. And on Sunday, they are in Phoenix for the Suns. Those are two teams that are within striking distance of them in the standings. But more to the point, Memphis is five and a half games out. You can chop into that two times this weekend with wins. But if you lose one or both, now you're talking about seven and a half games out. Like, come on. At some point, the door just closes. Yeah, so I Memphis agree. tonight it, has it, a big two-gamer. Yeah. It got it got, it got got a little late early for them. So you can't go one step forward, one step back if you're Memphis. right? You get opportunities no. like that, you got to get them. Although I will say, I thought you were going to say a different game for the must-win. Because I see another must-win on the slate. And I don't know if it might be tonight, tomorrow night. Golden State. Which, yeah. Must yeah. win against Detroit. Do you agree with that? That's a must win for both teams. <laughs> uh, you're right that I didn't have this one there. Now. Wait, wait till uh, if he sits the last 10 minutes, they lose to the Pistons. You got a full fledged five alarm oh, fire. Oh, man. 
Golden State so right. has to beat the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Toronto, Sacramento tonight. You've also got Boston, Indiana tomorrow. Milwaukee and Houston's a great one. New Orleans and Sacramento. Uh, in Sacramento, that's another great one. Look at all those good games, man. And then Lakers, Clipper, uh, Lakers, Clippers is always a fun one. You get that one this weekend. So I don't know what I just rattled off there. Eight, let's see, 12 games roughly this weekend that I'm excited about. I'm telling you, it's starting to heat up for us in the NBA. Legs, great week of shows, man. Some great games in the NBA, some great shows on the All-NBA Show. Can't wait to recap the weekend on Monday. Looking forward to it. Everybody, have yourselves a great weekend. Do us a favor and hit that like button. We're over 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you to everybody that has been subscribing and growing this show. Uh, Do us that favor. Leave us a like on the way out. Like the mayor.